You are listening to the Mountain Bike Skills Network podcast on Mountain Bike Radio. Hello, Mountain Bike Radio listeners. This is Ben, and that is right. It is a new podcast on Mountain Bike Radio. You need to listen to the rest of this episode to find out what it's all about. But in this one, it is simply an intro to what it's about, the host, and we chat. So listen in. You get a chance to meet Griff Wigley. Some of you in the upper Midwest area have uh, seen his name or know who he is. So this will be interesting, especially for you. But everybody, I I think it's worth a listen. He brings some uh, cool stuff. But first, here is a short clip from Rose Grant. This episode is brought to you by Epic Rides. So thanks to the gang over there for supporting us. Go over to epicrides.com. If you haven't already, if you're a regular listener and you've been hearing me say that a lot, now's the last time. Just go over there, do it, and uh, that's it. So if you have any questions, comments, anything like that, feel free to send me an email. It's ben at mountainbikeradio.com. And before the message from Rose Grant... I would encourage you to go over to facebook.com slash mountain bike skills network. That will take you to his Facebook page, which will lead you to a Facebook group that we talk about in this episode. So enjoy this new episode of the mountain bike skills network podcast. Hey, I'm Rose Grant. I'm a pro mountain biker for Stan Snow Tubes and the overall female winner of the 2016 Epic Rides Off-Road Series. I'm a huge supporter of this race series because it truly offers big, epic backcountry rides on world-class trail systems, and each host venue embraces a vibrant environment with free live music, which creates a fun, family-friendly mountain bike party all weekend. I'm stoked to be racing the Epic Ride Series again in 2017, and I look forward to hanging out with all of you at the Whiskey, Grand Junction, and Carson City Off-Road events. Epic Rides races do tend to fill up quickly, so I encourage you to get more information and register today at epicrides.com. I am here with the mountain bike geezer uh, and the guy behind Mountain Bike Skills Network and the guy also behind a new podcast that uh, is coming to Mountain Bike Radio, and we'll talk a little bit about that uh but uh griff thank you for joining it's by the way folks griff wigley in case you didn't check out the show page in the show notes uh so griff this is uh an intro episode we're going to be doing a lot of work behind the scenes they're going to be doing a podcast on mountain bike radio and for your own stuff and uh, you have a, a longer history of doing this than i do uh, <laughs> <laughs> way back and and all that stuff but uh we'll talk about some of that Okay. Uh, but listeners, the goal of this episode was to introduce Griff to you. So we're going to talk about his background, what he's doing, what is Mountain Bike Skills Network, uh, what's the podcast going to be, uh, and whatever else comes up. So does that sound good? Sounds good to me, Ben. All right, perfect. I'm All glad right. to be here. This is this is yeah. This is kind of going to be fun. So yeah. So you- so with um. With all that, I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions as we go, but what uh, mountain bike geezer, where'd that all start? <laughs> well, it started uh, about five and a half years ago. One of my uh, three sons uh, called me up and said, hey, dad, there's this new mountain bike park opening up 
by Brainerd called Cayuna, and Hans Noe Ray is going to be there. Take my mountain bike and go up and see what it's all about. So uh, my son Graham, when the boys were, I had three boys and a girl, but when the three boys were young, we got mountain bikes. This was back in the late 80s, early 90s. And, you know, there wasn't really any fun places to ride. It was all just you know, typical hiking trails and cross-country ski trails, and we kind of tired of it um, pretty quickly. But anyway, when Graham grew up, moved away, he and his buddies got into mountain biking, and so he told me about Cuyuna. So that weekend, this was June 2011, I went up to uh, the Cuyuna, and it was a big grand opening weekend. Hans Noe Ray, I don't know if your listeners know about him but he's kind of the first adventure mountain biker he was a trials motorcycle rider in his early teen years and then kind of switched over to mountain biking but anyway i was like oh man hans no way i've been i've read about him for you know 10 20 years because i had been into moto trials or observed trials mountain bike hmm. i mean um motorcycling and so i went up there and I was just awestruck. I had no idea there was such a thing as a flow trail. Um, I went out on the Friday afternoon, just kind of trying to poke my way around. And somebody said, you look like you don't know what you're doing. Why don't you follow me? And so it was just this hugely fun day. I got yeah. back. I went to this Italian bistro in the town of Crosby. This and is Crosby, just, Minnesota. I, Crosby, Minnesota. Yeah. All the listeners out there. Right. Northern Minnesota. And I opened up my laptop and because I'd been a blogger for since 2000, uh, my first instinct was I got to start a blog. And my kids started calling me, referring to me as their geezer dad back when I turned 50. <laughs> so so here I am. I'm, I'm 62 years old. And it's like, okay, mountain biking, and I'm a geezer. Uh, I didn't see a lot of other geezers out there that day, so that just kind of stuck in my head. And I named my blog Mountain Bike Geezer. And um, and about 20 minutes into it, I look up, and into the pub comes Hans Ray with a bunch of guys from QBP. And I'm just like an awestruck you know, teenager, and I go up, you're Hans Ray. And he goes, yeah. Why don't you join us for beers, you know? So anyway, it, it turned out to be, by the, by, that was a, a Friday night. By Sunday, I had joined uh, Imba and Mork. And by Monday, I placed an order on a mountain bike, and I've been hooked ever since. <laughs> so just to clarify, listeners, Mork, we have a lot of Minnesota listeners, but outside of that, Mork is the Minnesota... Is it Minnesota or Minneapolis off-road site? It is. It it's been Minnesota, but even the, but they've been focused the last few years on just the Minneapolis-St. Paul area. But they've retained that name, Minnesota Off-Road Cyclists. Yeah. yeah, it was a huge Imba chapter, and I think they're splitting or split away from Imba now, kind of doing their own thing. They're a huge chapter, a huge, huge base, and uh, they have a lot of things going on there. But anyway, so uh, okay, so that was a big. Sounds like a huge weekend. It changed everything, basically. It changed everything. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, within about six months, I sold my um, my trials motorcycles, I, which I've been doing kind of competition for over 30 years. 
And it was like, okay, this is the best of both worlds. I get, I get to go fast, which I didn't do in my trials competition, right? It's a mm-hmm. go slow sport. And yet it has all the technical, you know, challenge of, a, of the observed trials that I'd been doing. So it was like, and I can do it and I won't annoy my neighbors. I can practice in my driveway. <laughs> right. There's no, <laughs> yeah. right. So when I came home from that weekend at Cuyuna, the first place I went was Lebanon Hills, which is one of Mark's premier trails and discovered that, wow, they have rocks to ride over and logs and technical stuff. I wonder if I can sort of, apply my skills that I learned on a motorcycle uh, to mountain biking. And so that was really the first thing I concentrated on was the technical riding on mountain biking. And because I knew I sucked completely at um, going fast, but I figured, okay, I can learn that. I'm young yet. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so that I, I, I probably first became um, known to other riders as somebody who was uh, pretty good at riding skinnies, right? Because Mm -hmm. in motorcycle trials, you're constantly um, trying to hold a line and even riding railroad ties and logs and actual, you know, planks and that kind of stuff I'd been doing a lot. So I kind of had that balance down and it just, it took me a few months to kind of get the hang of doing it on a, on a mountain bike. And so I kind of, uh, got a little bit of a reputation as somebody who was doing crazy things on skinnies. <laughs> right. And Lebanon Hills was one of the first places when I first got into mountain biking, I bought this cheap, I don't even know, hundred dollar bike. Um, and Lebanon Hills was one of the first, I was living in Minneapolis at the time. And that was one of the first places I went was Afton. And then, uh, checked out Lebanon Hills. What year was that? Oh God. 2005, 2004, five. Yeah. So. Yeah, and they'd been around already for quite a while because there's a there's a couple of old geezers that are Mark members that were you know there at the beginning, and it was um, it was quite a ways ahead of that. I don't remember the exact word year, but I think it was late '90s that they started you know getting that property from Dakota County or in conjunction with Dakota County for for a mountain bike trail system. But yeah, yeah. it's kind of the grand, the granddaddy in the Twin City area. Right, and you mentioned something with the Cuyuna situation when you were going to start blogging i think it's unique in that you said you looked around and you didn't see a whole lot of geezers out riding but i think that you take that segment of the population that would be out riding so the 50 60 year old people right it's pretty small to begin with and now if you take the percentage that are blogging writing about it sharing and teaching other people uh you're down to like one percent of the one percent Right. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. So just explain yeah, so, a podcast. To anybody over 55 is, uh, is challenging at times. Yeah. So I've been doing it. You know, my first career was a social worker, but you know, when my kids got young, then I kind of graduated, gradually got interested in computers and technology and the online world. So I've been basically making a living online yeah. uh, full time uh, since 1986 um, so yeah, so the tech, I'm not really a IT guy. I'm just kind of a, you know, I use it for social stuff, but yeah, well, we'll talk about that then. We, we had talked, uh, I don't even know, was it last week already? We talked a bunch and we've been talking online quite a bit too. Um, yep. but, uh, 
Talk about that. I mentioned it in the intro. Talk about that. Pod, you don't have to go into detail about the podcast, but you were into podcasting a long time ago. Yeah, back in, it's almost been 10 years. So I've, ever since uh, I got married, I've been living in Northfield and we had a group of people, 94, that got together and said, uh, we should put up a bulletin board system and use that, you know, modem technology to uh <laughs> to to get the get the citizens of Northfield together um talking about what matters for public affairs and so when the web came along in 95 we set up a web-based forum and um so I did that for several years and then when kind of the podcasting stuff came along three of us got together and said all right let's string a microphone from the ceiling let's try to to do this podcast thing. I think that was 2006. Okay. And uh, a bunch of kids, uh, three three of the students from Carlton College here in Northfield actually heard it and invited us into their new uh, radio station digs uh, at Carlton. And so we did probably almost 200 episodes of a show we call Locally Grown, uh, Locally Grown Northfield. So it was a blog and a and a podcast. The yeah. local radio station picked it up after a while. But um, yeah, so it was kind of a lot like um, you guys are doing when you have, you know, two, three people on or you yeah. bring a guest, a guest on and talk about civic affairs. So yeah, we did that for quite a while. Yeah. Ahead of your time for sure. There wasn't a whole lot. I listened back in uh, 2004, 2005, I think it was, uh, a couple of podcasts. And uh, mostly just sports talk radio at that point. It was kind of starting. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot around. No, there wasn't. And I actually thought when, by the time we quit in 2009, I thought podcasting was uh, fading away. You know, as the, as the social <laughs> yeah. media social media juggernaut was coming on, I thought, well, there goes podcasting. And um, I was completely wrong because it's just it's just skyrocketed yeah it took a while though it took it took phones becoming really good you know in in networks and phones and being able to download stuff quickly without destroying your your phone so <laughs> yeah. i mean yeah truly it was another what five years 2014 15 and then you know 15 and 16 was the big big one so I, while we're on this topic i'm curious you have you have way more knowledge and experience way back than i do what, uh, how would you describe the scene podcast scene versus when you, you know, even 2009 when you finished up, uh, or maybe 2008 when it was kind of not nearing the end, um, with, what do you, what do you say? Like what, how is it like a, just a totally different world? Is it, uh, similar, just much bigger? Just describe what, what that's well, the, like. The variety is, is huge now, but the other thing was hardly, and it was one of the reasons we moved to teaming up with the local radio station because mm -hmm. it was nobody, nobody knew what to do with an RSS feed to right. try and get, get you know, it was yeah. just like no, nobody's listening to us unless we, unless we also uh, repurpose our content on the local radio station, and then we just said, well, the hell with that. Let's just move into their do our show right in the radio station. And they were glad to, to have us do that. But yeah, I mean, it was like we would do these shows. Nobody would listen on any devices. You would put the, you, like you do now, you, you put the 
the audio in a blog post mm-hmm. and that's how people listen to it. Right. Well, you didn't, you didn't, you weren't able to carry it around. Nobody was listening to a podcast on their phones back in 2008 or 2009 or very few. So it was just, and now it's like just walking around Northfield and, and seeing people walking around. I live on a small city park, has a paved path around it. And invariably when I see people out, they've got their earbuds in. And if I know them and stop to chat, I said, are you listening to a podcast? It's yep. like 80% of the time they're listening to a podcast. You know, yeah. they're not just uh, listening to music. So it's, it's just, it's like a, a world of difference from yeah. what it was. The interesting know. part is like you mentioned, 2008, you were trying to get on the radio to get that content out. <laughs> right. Now it's flipped. Whereas all the radio is hustling to get it on the podcast type of system. Exactly. Yeah. Cause then it's and I'm just, by- you know, I'm, I'm just like anybody else, you know, I'm just like, okay, I'm doing the dishes and I'm put on a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's just on demand. That's all. I'm driving to the twin cities. I put on a podcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So right. it just seemed like a good time for me to get into it. So. Yeah, Absolutely. It's just that I don't talk to a lot of people generally or even work with a lot of people that, you know, were doing podcasts back in the first, uh, I don't know, it wasn't really a boom, but it was a little uh, blip. How's that? Yeah, it was a blip, right. <laughs> so you got the little little blip in there before it really took hold. All right, let's talk about, I want listeners to uh, to hear about what you have going on as far as Mountain Bike Skills Network, what it is. Uh, maybe what, uh, you know, prompted you first of all to start it and, uh, what's your goal and what do you have going and just talk a little bit about, well, not a little bit, talk a lot about it, tell people what it's about, what you have going on, what they can expect from you. And then, uh, then we'll talk a little bit about, uh, your plans for the podcast. Sure. Well, it really started when, uh, you know, I had mentioned this thing about riding skinnies Mm -hmm. and people, would contact me and say, can you, can you teach me how to ride? <laughs> no, I can't. Aren't you an instructor? No, I'm not an instructor. And I'd kind of looked around on the interwebs and didn't really see anything that was very detailed about riding skinnies other than pretty much people said, okay, you just have to relax and look ahead and be confident and I thought, well, that's a bunch of shit. There's yeah, a lot more, a lot more. Just to be it confident that you're not going to fall off, and you'll be fine. So I started. I put together this series of videos about if you're going to learn how to ride a skinny, you got to start here, and you got to do this, and this is the next step, and blah blah blah. So I put that up, and I thought, well, I don't want to give that one away. That's kind of my special thing. So I better create kind of a a prototype that people can kind of, uh, if I'm going to try and sell this little video course on how to ride skinnies, I better have something instead of that people can kind of see what I'm up to. So I hit on this idea of um, light hands, heavy feet. Lee McCormick, mountain bike coach out of Colorado, had blogged quite a bit and written about, uh, you know, the importance of, you know, not having a death grip on your, on your handlebars and his kind of magic phrase was light hands, heavy feet, light hands, heavy feet. And I, and I actually took a clinic from him and um, where, you know, we kind of worked on that as a class, but he, it wasn't very in-depth. So I thought, 
okay, I'm going to design a whole series of drills and exercises around getting better at light hands, heavy feet. So I just made this stuff up, go out in my driveway in the parking lot in the neighborhood park and come up, came up with like 18 drills that you could practice that would help get this, this kind of core skill that nobody practices of light hands, heavy feet. How do you get that through your head? So that was kind of what I started. I thought, oh, I'm gonna, I need to name this something. And so I came up with the idea of thick skull mountain bike network or mountain, thick skull mountain bike skills. So I registered that domain name. I started, uh, you know, trying to get people to sign up to my email list and then actually buy the course. So I had, I don't know, 30 or 40 people bought the course. And then I stumbled on this guy named Ryan Leach. So I'd known about Ryan Leach uh, really about six months after I started mountain biking. I saw that he had trials, bicycle DVDs, and then he was kind of moving the DVD content over to uh, Vimeo and was selling it. So I bought a few of his stuff because I thought, God, I got to learn how to do this technical stuff on a bicycle. So lo and behold, one day I saw, oh my God, Ryan is starting an online skills community. Uh, so I just hopped over there, paid my way in and it was like, oh man, this guy, <laughs> this guy is so much better at producing this stuff than I am. So, you know, I was a, a customer for a while and then worked up the nerve to sort of, to say to Ryan, you want to, to take a look at my skinnies course you know here's a guy he's world class at riding skinnies and he's obviously a great instructor but he liked he liked what he saw and so we started kind of looking for ways to collaborate and it was soon apparent that it'd be much better for me to kind of figure out how to hook my wagon to his what he was doing than to try and compete with him because he seemed like a very competent guy in lots of different ways and had a good reputation. Right. So I started kind of hanging out and helping him out. And basically mentally he kind of said, why don't you, uh, I'll give you a free account and you kind of keep helping me. And so we started this relationship. It now has become, uh, he has a bunch of people that he refers to as ambassadors, but we hang out in his online community and answer questions from other people and kind of, you know, help help him because his network is just uh, or his online courses are just exploding right now. Mm -hmm. So at the same time, I thought, oh, man, what how could I? OK, I could be an affiliate. So at some point I approached him and said, I'm I think I can sell your courses. Will you give me a commission? Mm -hmm. And he said, well, I haven't really done that before, but I sure. guess I'm I'm willing to try it with right. you. So that started and I thought, OK, how can I what can I do to attract people to this idea of working on uh, communicating with a group of people online and getting more interested in developing your skills? So I'd hit on this idea of rather than just trying to sell people to get into Ryan's online community, why not create a standalone skills area where all sorts of instructors can hang out with people interested in learning their skills? And then 
every once in a while, anybody can say, hey, I got something for sale. I have a clinic. I have a DVD. I have a book. I have whatever. And who's ever in the community once a month can do that. So once I kind of hit on that idea, it was like, okay, this this is what I want to do. And I launched it late last year with a small group of people to kind of get it up to speed and then kind of got going in in January. It's a Facebook group and anybody can join it, but I admit people one at a time and greet them and sort of promise that I will rule this Facebook group with an iron fist. <laughs> so, you know, I'd been around enough. I, you know, I had created online communities before web forums, uh, managed them. So I kind of knew how to create a culture of civility, I called it. And I knew from roaming around the web that there weren't a lot of places uh, online where people could interact with one another and not have to um, deal with a lot of uh, snarky behavior, usually from men. And I wanted to make this a, a place where it was attractive for women as much as men. So that's that was kind of the that's been the last six months really with since only since January where it's really taken off with it. Um, so it's a it's a private Facebook group. I'm kind of rebranding my mountain bike geezer stuff over to Mountain Bike Skills Network. So my Instagram feed and my Twitter feed and uh, today I even uh, registered the domain name mountainbikeskillsnetwork.com because I'm going to gradually change that over um, the Mountain Bike Geezer website over. Um, so that's kind of the shtick right now. There's more to it than that, but I'll stop and have a drink of my coffee and let <laughs> yeah. me, ask me another question. Right, exactly. No, that's I think that gives people a really good idea what that's all about. Um, and I will say, being part of the, the Facebook group for, I don't even know, it's been not even a week, um, there's a lot of, it's a good community. There's a lot of people that are, it's here's the thing that I noticed is a lot of people are willing to share things that they normally wouldn't share with just on Facebook. You know, that's right. Yes, that's it, true. They, it, it, it is very apparent from the beginning that people are very comfortable. So whatever you do, when you, you know, when you said, when you bring us in one by one, you send us a, a message saying, Hey, you know, you, you put me through the whole thing, even though we kind of already talked about it, but, um, it's very clear that it's a very, uh, it's like a, I don't know, open, open forum that's, uh, like you said, ruled by iron fist. So there's no goofing around. Um, yeah. No, so uh, it, it, a, a good metaphor might be it, it, it's we're having a, a, a party and a discussion group at my house. And so you come to the door and I'm there and I say, hey, Ben, come on in. Yeah, exactly. And that culturally, that sets a tone that is. Um, kind of known throughout the world. And no matter what country you're from, that's a normal thing. When you go into somebody's house, you, mm -hmm. for the first time, you, you're greeted. And you kind of look around and you kind of get the lay of the land pretty quickly and you adjust your behavior accordingly. So that's part of it. Um, and then I think, 
I, you know, I, I have rules, but I haven't really had to um, enforce them very much. People kind of figure it out yeah. when they watch other people interacting, which is, again, it's like having a party at somebody's house. If right. you if you go in and within the first 10 minutes and you see people are are drunk and acting stupid, then you kind of go, well, either I'm going to start in <laughs> and join it or I'm out of here. And unfortunately, for most places online, the women go, uh, this isn't fun. Everybody's kind of posturing and uh, engaging in these pissing matches. And that's not generally what women like to do. Men are more inclined, but even yeah, we're just a lot of even a lot of men get tired, we're, get we're tired of animals, that after a while. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's um, so much so. I like it so much so that I've you you now have me thinking for mountain bike radio the members instead of doing a slack group of just going the Facebook route like I've kicked it around before in the past and I wanted to do something that I thought would be looking forward would be more progressive and like a, you know like there's more future in it but Facebook is just where it's at and like what you've created is pretty cool so it yeah, it definitely has me thinking uh to to maybe I, go you know that route. I think a good problem for me to have in a year or so will be because the Facebook group platform doesn't scale well at all. I mean, we're already running into problems right. of, you know, it's like, okay, what topic where you know, people repeating stuff, starting new posts that we already have. There's no, right. there's no good forum structure to it. So, and that's, that was my I, concern from the beginning. That's why I keep going toward back to Slack because it's way it, it, it's, it's, organized i don't know once you get to a really high level of scale <laughs> like if there's a thousand people in slack i don't even know what that would look like <laughs> right, but there's right. more organization like we can keep yeah. things in in uh channels yeah. but yeah so at some point I, you know i could see myself shopping around for a, a full sort of full featured web forum like v bullet and there's a bunch of them out there that um right. you know are trying to keep up with the the attractive features that Facebook does have. Yeah. Um, but, um, bring a, bring a, a lot more of the structure and organization to it than the current Facebook group t technology does. Right. You so, know what? This is, this is strain way off, but Facebook is missing out on that. They could charge, yeah, they, it, they could charge money and we'd still pay. Yeah. If they, you know, <laughs> right. truly, I mean, not a ton, but I mean, it'd yeah. be competitive, you know? Yeah. So anyhow, well, they could, yeah. Oh, so the, the other, I mean, I was going to, the other thing I was going to add was, you know, I made a, a concerted effort. Um, I call it, you know, seeding, S-E-E-D-I-N-G, seeding the, the community where I got like 25 women mountain bikers I knew to, to be the first ones in. And then once we opened the doors, we actually had a, um, I put up a poll. You can do a poll in Facebook group. And the poll was, how can Mountain Bike Skills Network, uh, you know, what can we do to make this uh, a woman-friendly environment? And so there was, you know, a lot of discussion about that. The number one item in that poll, and I had kind of just put it up there without really giving it too much thought, but the number one, after a couple of weeks of voting, it was have a woman mountain bike instructor come in as a guest expert you know somebody somebody's known you know that it, it was like really that's that would be the number one thing you know i thought for sure it would be 
create a separate space for women that men can't um, aren't invited to. But they didn't want that. Um, so we just finished actually uh, the the very first guest expert Elaine Bothy from uh, Portland, Oregon. She's been an instructor for a long time. Came in for two weeks, interacted in our in the Facebook group and just kind of text fashion, um, talking about two topics, fear. How do you deal with fear? How do you recover from a crash when you're freaked out? Um, and number two, uh, how to learn to jump as a beginner intermediate rider. So she's pretty good at teaching jumping and she's pretty good at handling, um, people's normal everyday fears that come with, uh, mountain biking as you start moving up the scale. So we just finished that. And then I interviewed her last weekend on, on Skype and um, I've got to edit that and put that together. But that's really was our first, our first guest expert. We've got other guest experts in there, other mountain bike coaches that are just kind of hanging out and participating. It's kind of stunning to, to see it, but um, we'll keep, we'll keep doing some of that stuff that, men like but women really appreciate so it's um and of course like anything it's like when you have a nice mix everybody likes that mm-hmm. you know the, the yeah the women could go off and create their own place and you know all the places online are 99 percent men so it's no shortage of that but right. it's it's having a good mix makes it makes it more fun and interest interesting for everybody so um so far so good yeah and listeners, if you're wondering about this group, you can go to Facebook. Just type in Mountain Bike Skills Network, but you could also go to Facebook.com slash Mountain Bike Skills Network. And yeah, then there's a little I box put- that says learn more, and you click on that, and then you'll go through the process yeah. of uh, being that's accepted. The, yeah, so anytime you do advertise, you got to have a page on Facebook. So that's what you would hit first would be my page. Right. But I, I do very little on the page. The page basically says, um, get your butt over here to the, <laughs> right, exactly. to the group. Yep. And uh, so, I, yeah, so I admit people one at a time. And, and then, yeah, like you said, when I do that through Facebook Messenger, so I get an alert that somebody wants in, I trigger the approval, they get admitted, and, you know, 30 seconds later, I send them a, uh, one-to-one message on face to Facebook Messenger that says, "Hey Ben, welcome to Fel- to Mountain Bike Skills Network. You know, glad glad you joined us. And then if you reply with a thanks or a thumbs up or whatever, then I say, if you get a chance, introduce yourself here. And we've, I, you know, I've got about 550 members now, and probably a third of those have actually introduced themselves in the same topic. So the cool thing is." When you introduce yourself in that topic, everybody else gets notified that, oh, there's another another guy. There's somebody from uh, well, this week. It was Myanmar, you know, the f- former Burma. They yeah. came in and was like, oh, wow. this guy. Last week it was a guy from uh, – from, uh, where the heck was it? I'm ashamed. I can't remember the name of the country. I'd never heard it before. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, what, really? Oh, today a woman from – uh, Iran came in. I oh, was like, wow. really? Yeah. It's like, whoa, that's cool. So anyway, that's that's kind of the um, what's happening now. And um, yeah, we can talk a little bit about 
Yeah. The, so, pipe, the podcast. Yep. But before we do that, I want to ask you a question. Um, and in case listeners haven't figured out, we could probably talk for hours. Um, <laughs> but I want uh, you to give us maybe just one. Let's do one thing. So one thing that you've learned in the process of uh, doing all this over the last couple of years. So, you know, you go into it, you know, let's take it from the period of Cayuna. You go into it and you're thinking that, man, people would really want to learn this or they want to learn jumps or they want to learn how to corner. Like you have your preconceived uh, notions on what people want to do. But then you start asking them through this, you know, through what you did before, just the blog, maybe comments. And then you get to this point where you're actively asking them on the Facebook group, right? So what did you think going into it that you would approach and now what have people told you that uh, they want to do that's is something in that realm that surprises you? Well, I think it was I having been part of um, some pretty couple of pretty strong online communities that were not focused around a course. They were focused around a topic. Um, I kept looking for a place online where there was a big group of people really focused on learning skills. And there was a lot of places that had little blurbs here and there, like MTBR forums, you know, there's occasional topics there about, you know, how to ride, but there was no one place that it was totally devoted to that. So, I kept asking people and said, well, no, would you be interested? No, I'm not sure. So it's kind of these things where I had a a sense that it would be appealing to a group of riders. Nobody was clamoring for it that I could see. Um, when I'd ask people, they'd kind of go, oh, yeah, but, you know, Facebook and Twitter. And, you know, it's like, well, how can you compete with that? You know, that's, that's where it's at these days. Mm -hmm. That's, that's community, social media. And I just kind of went, well, yeah. Um, Hmm. Maybe there's a way of marrying up this community idea that I had, uh, within social media somehow. And then that was probably a year ago when I first stumbled into my first Facebook group and kind of went, Hmm, I wonder if this would work. No, it totally sucks. <laughs> um, but that was really, it, it, it was kind of like, um, I guess it was Henry Ford that said, you know, if people ask, if if I would have asked people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses, right? So, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, that's, it's so it was kind so of this, this, this hunch of mine that hmm. trying to wrap a community of people around this, desire to develop your your skills on a mountain bike it was a a niche audience but with the number of mountain bikers out there i just figured i bet there's i bet there's an interest in this and so creating the community and then for those a smaller group that actually would pay money for a course that was kind of the idea um you know and i saw ryan doing it you know people were paying for it um, mostly it was just people putting YouTube video, YouTube videos up and, and, uh, earning money that way. But, um, Ryan had a different approach and I thought that's kind of what I would prefer to do rather than chasing the, the page views and the ad dollars that 
didn't really appeal to me. So that it remains to be seen whether I can, you know, make a more than beer money at this, but <laughs> it's, yeah. uh, it, it, it would appear so. So I'm kind of, I'm psyched about doing it. You know, I'm just yeah. starting this thing now. Um, well, okay. Did I answer your question? <laughs> uh, yeah, it gave you an idea, but I, I'm more, not more interested, but I'm, I'm interested in one thing that you learned. It's like raising kids, right? People always say, Oh, I bet you're teaching them this. And at the end of the day, the kids are teaching you more than you're teaching them. Right. So what have you learned from people over the course of uh, maybe the last two years or maybe since launching this Facebook Facebook group the end of, you know, late last year, what have you learned from people t- that you didn't think you would learn? Maybe what they're interested in or, um, you know, no, maybe I, certain areas that are interested in something specifically at whatever. I, I think it was, I was really motivated to practice a lot. And I think Ryan saw that, but that is really rare. And it, um, it, it surprised me how content people were to just continue to ride at their level and just uh, either continue to enjoy the sport that way or actually fade away. You know, it's like, okay, this is boring. I'm not, I'm not getting anything out of the sport anymore. I'm going to give it up. And it was surprising to me. It was like, okay, how do you create a culture of practice? And I didn't know, but it was, it was a sort of a wake up thing. It's like, okay, everybody's not like me. I was, I was really motivated to practice, to do actual drills rather than just, oh, I got Two hours, I'm going to just go ride my bike on the trail, see if I can improve my Strava time. You know? um, so that that was kind of a wake-up thing for me. It's like not everybody wants to practice. Not everybody wants to get better. Uh, in fact, very few. But maybe it's the ingredients need to be there to support those who have the inclination. So that's kind of what I was trying to figure out and pursue. So it was, I think the, the lack of striving to improve your skills, I just thought would be more pervasive and it's not. I'll tell you what, since having kids, you know, like just doing things in the yard or goofing around, I previously never like slowed down to do those skill type of things. Right. But since having them, if they're outside or we're riding bikes together, whatever, like you use the curb or you just practice track stands or you practice hopping over some of their toys or whatever (laughs) it is, it's laying around in the driveway. You know what I mean? Like there's exactly. And then with the kids, you'll set up, you know, cones. So you're kind of doing like different things and seeing if you could hop around, you know, just put the front wheel down and then hop your rear around a cone or something. Just goofy things that you'd never do otherwise. And my skills actually without with riding less trails especially since moving here in North Dakota my skills have actually improved since moving here <laughs> your balance scale. yeah, yeah. Like, to go That's from here good. and not actually even riding a ton of trail like proper trail i run or ride like some you know atv stuff and whatever but um but when i go to regular trails like it, i i don't feel obviously i feel rusty but not terrible like cuz the skills i pick up just goofing around has has added to it 
So yeah, so and that's you know last year I took Ryan's baseline balance skills course, which is three modules: track stands, hopping, and rocking. And you know, fully half of those lessons, you know, there's dozens and dozens of progressive lessons that are packed into that course. You can do in your neighborhood, in your driveway, in your backyard, you know, in the local park. I mean, it, it's um, <laughs> it, it was stunning to me. And even so, it was like, God, I, I'd come home. I've got 10 minutes before dinner. My bike's right there. It's like, okay, I can practice track stands for seven minutes right now just in my driveway. And it was, it was stunning to me how helpful that was, just those short little bursts. So it doesn't surprise me that um, trying to – Drive over your kid's little fire truck without yeah, without breaking smashing. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So two more things, and then we'll talk about the podcast. I want to get it out there, uh, pointed out to people, to listeners that, um, and we'll link some of your videos and all this stuff in the show notes. So if you have listeners, if you have any questions, just go to the show notes, keep listening, click on it, do what you have to do, but it'll be right there. You do a lot of videos, and over the course of the last since I've known you, you know, I first met you through other people, but I've seen you constantly putting videos out there and they're always improving. So you're, you know, you're, you're, I mean, not like a leech level, right? <laughs> you, you know, the skill or, you know, you're good ben, at teaching. Ben, 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 No, I'm, I, I'm young yet. I'm going to get I know. There. That's my point is you're, uh, <laughs> you're, you're not a geezer geezer. But my point being is like, this is, you're very authentic with it. In that, like you, you basically admit, like, listen, like I know what I'm supposed to be doing. I know the basic, like yeah. all the basic skills that go into it. I'm good at teaching, and I'm learning this, you know, like as I would teach you. So you're very, you relate well to the average person who is not, who doesn't maybe maybe they do some of the skills just intuitively, but they don't haven't actively ever practiced them. Um, so I think yeah. you relate well to a to a large group of people that that does need some help. Yeah, it's kind of surprising to me. People still go back to my blog in the you know four years ago when I was saying, okay, this is my third attempt at this skinny, or <laughs> right. you know, or trying to get over this log. And you can see here my chainring bashes, and you can see here I fall over, and you know, so yeah, I kind of narrate my. Uh, attempts to improve and yet put a little bit of sort of instructional pieces to it, sort of saying, well, here's what I found Lee McCormick said, and here's what James Wilson said, and here's what Ryan Leach said, and here's what these guys said. So, okay, here's where I'm trying to apply it and take a look at this. And so, yeah, I'm learning as I go and trying to chronicle what I'm doing and um, I'm small group of people have found that to be, I guess, interesting. Yeah. And you've <laughs> been, we touched on it before about Mork. You got involved with Mork. Uh, but talk a little bit about what you're doing in Northfield, Minnesota. So listeners, Northfield, Minnesota, how far south of the Twin Cities? We're about an hour south of either the St. Paul or Minneapolis downtown. Yeah. yeah. So hour south, just to give listeners a mental picture of where you're at. So you talk about how you've become involved with uh, – with the mountain bike community in that area. Yeah. Well, when I was, uh, I got involved, I was on the Mork board actually for a year. And then, um, in the town of Northville where I live, 
guy by the name of Marty Larson moved to town and uh, he had a long history with bike shops and QBP, but he was managing the the bagel store, Tannen Bagels in Northfield. And we got to know each other and we said, we should start an EMBA chapter. <laughs> and so within about two months, we pulled together a bunch of people and formed a, a chapter called Cannon, Ro- Cannon River Off-Road Cycling and Trails, or CROCT, C-R-O-C-T. And we set about, I had pretty deep connections to City Hall, so it's like, okay, let's see if we can let them, uh, get them to let us put a mountain bike trail in our, along the local well, river bottom. Yeah, you Can- were the voice Can- of Northfield. <laughs> well, right, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I was, yeah, on first name basis with uh, city staff and the uh, city council and the parks board and all that kind of stuff. So, and, and Marty's kind of a pipe, 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 piper kind of a guy. So we had just a lot of people instantly um, interested. So we formed this chapter, got a trail built, turned out to be in hindsight brilliant to have a mountain bike trail that was connected to the downtown with um, paved trails. So when we first started doing our youth, our kids rides, Monday night rides, wow, parents could just say to their kids, I don't have to haul your damn bike on the back of my car. Just get on your bike and ride down there. And that turned out to be huge. And we didn't really plan it that way, but it turned out that way. And then Wintertime, the fat bikers loved it because they could just get out in there, open their garage door, get their bikes out, and ride right to the trail. So um, that has turned out to be a big hit. The county then, we approached the county and said, uh, we'd like to put a trail in kind of more advanced stuff someplace. And we put one in Karen Park, about five miles to the south. And we have a board meeting coming up Monday, and I think there, we have five different requests now from local landowners, uh, land managers, to put in mountain bike trails. City of Faribault, Rice County wants another one. The city of Dundas wants one, and uh, uh, Shattuck St. Mary's School in Faribault wants one. So it's like, oh, <laughs> it sure is different, I guess, than it was 10 years ago when mountain bikers had to fight their way into getting trail. Man, not even 10 years Man, ago. So it's just a, five years ago. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, why, why is this all happening? You know, I don't know. I think in yeah, hindsight, it was sort of brilliant to get kids involved because when we started asking for people to become paying members and to donate money, the fact that we could show these pictures of us working with kids, it was like, Wow. (laughs) People love this. And the fact that you're trying to, you're not just doing this hobby for your own, your own needs. You're actually trying to give back to the community. So that, and and then the kids, parents and everybody involved with those kids. I mean, it just adds up pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. It really, it really snowballed. So this, like this summer now I'm doing, instead of the Monday night group ride, we're doing three, four day clinics um, through the summer where, you know, three hours in the morning or three hours in the afternoon. And, um, we're going to probably haul kids, you know, rent a big van and haul kids up to Lebanon Hills for the final day. Yeah. It's so I think all of that generates, uh, community interest. You know, the city council loves it. The school district loves it. 
you know, there's a mountain bike, high school mountain bike lead chapter in the county being run by some other people. Um, so there's kind of this, um, I don't know, it feels like a, a re- real m- momentum in, at least right, right now in, in Rice County. So, it, but it, it's a lot of it is driven by, I think, the interest in as a alternative lifelong recreation for kids. Right. All right. So we've, uh, we've been going a long time. So listeners, thanks for hanging with us. All right. Podcast. I mean, we talked about your history. So obviously you've had this idea probably cooking or always kind of in the back of your head, but, uh, give people a little taste of what you're going to be doing and what the, what, what's all behind this podcast. Yeah. So my idea is now that we have this uh, dynamic community of people in the mountain bike skills network, Facebook group, my, my plan is to sort of marry up the podcast to what happens there and let one feed off the other. So whenever you have 500 people crammed into one little space, there's a lot going on that people miss. Um, oh yeah. You still with me? Yep. Yep. Oh, okay. Sorry. But suddenly my Skype screen. Went, oh, root, no, root. you're still, you're still there. Yep. <laughs> okay. So whenever you cram that many people in the, in the, the Facebook group, even though group, the, your feed gives you, you, you can really follow the conversation pretty well. If you want to, people miss it all the time. So one of the, things that good online networks do is constantly reflect back to their community. Here's something that was cool that happened. Uh, So what I'll be doing frequently with the podcast is saying something like, we just had a week long discussion about the different kinds of drops. So let me give you a, a, kind of a sketch of what happened with this discussion and the twists and turns and kind of where we're still stuck. So the podcast will piece that together in a way that's hopefully easy to listen to. I'll take, I'll <laughs> Don't take worry that. about it. You're gonna, you'll be fine. <laughs> I'll take that podcast, put it in the group and sort of say, uh, here's my take on what we did. We're talking about last week. And so, all the people that participated in that, they're going to be interested, right? It's like, what did Griff say about us? All the people who didn't participate. (laughs) They're going to be be waiting to hear something, (laughs) using them as an example. Yeah. 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 Calling them, calling out their names and saying, this bad boy was misbehaving. Right. Uh, Anyway, so the people who didn't participate, a certain percentage of them will go, wow, I'm going to listen to this podcast. You mean all of this happened in the Facebook group? That's pretty cool. So this, that will enrich the conversation in the Facebook group further to have that kind of reflection back on what happened. Um, And so there may even be a follow-up. I I could envision um, doing a podcast three weeks down the road that basically said, or maybe a portion of it that, that where we would sort of say, Three weeks ago, we did this thing on drops, and then this happened, and then we had this expert coach come in and open our eyes to this, and then these five people put up videos of themselves trying to do these drops, utilizing this new thing, so be sure and catch that, but you know, 
it, the idea, I guess, is to is to make the podcast sort of a living, breathing extension of the online community and do it in a way that that not just informs and entertains the listeners, but also further enhances what's happening in the community. And then hopefully a certain percentage of the listeners to the podcast will go, geez, that sounds like kind of an interesting place. I think I'm going to go check that yeah, out. Maybe yeah, hang, and maybe, maybe hang out there. Um, yeah. And then for me, I mean, I don't know whether I'm going to get a sponsor of the Facebook group or not, but um, my goal, of course, is just like any other instructor in there once a month, we can sort of say, uh, Ryan Leach is doing this course on bunny hops and manuals and Griff wants us to go over and find out about it and maybe sign up. And so, and Lee McCormick might say, Hey, I've got a special going on my online community. Chris Carter from Australia. He's got an online mountain bike community. He's, mm -hmm. he can make the pitch. Um, James Wilson, mountain bike strength training systems. He can come in and, and make a pitch for what he's got going. So any instructor will be able to sort of say, Hey, I've been participating in this community. Let me tell you what I'm selling. And, um, I don't know. So James, far, James, uh, that has a lot. He, he might come in and, uh, people might get a little angry at the flat pedal discussion. <laughs> Man, is he like, people James get is so, a yeah. Oh no, he's good though. Like he knows what he's talking about. You know, like he, he, um, obviously has a lot of experience working with people, but, Man, do people get just riled up with the flat pedal discussion. Well, and see, and he, this week he did kind of a version of what I'm talking about, right? So he's got a podcast as well that he does occasionally. And he was participating in our discussion about the attack position and the throne position and the, you know, the squat moving to a more thrown and anyway so james you know he lives and breathes this stuff so we were right and he was participating in the online discussion and the next day he puts up a 20-minute podcast where he's drawn stick figures on and making reference to the online community and kind of giving his take on it so it's like 20 minutes later i'd stumbled on it i grabbed that uh Facebook video mm -hmm. and put it in the discussion. It says, Hey, you guys, uh, James, who's been hanging out here, he just did a, a podcast on the whole thing we've been talking about. So I more and more, I expect that will be happening. And, uh, to me, it just makes it a more dynamic, rich kind of rich place to hang out. Yeah. Yep. So I guess that'll, uh, <laughs> that's an enough hour man. later. Oh, we're going to do half an hour, hour later. <laughs> All right, listeners. So that gives you a pretty good idea. Uh, if if any of the listeners have any questions up front, Griff, where should they contact you? Should they well, just contact you directly in email, or should they send me an email, or should we set one up for you? How well, do you want to do this? How do you want people to get a hold of you? Yeah, I think that what I've seen you guys do is in the show notes. It you know you put in how to get a hold of me. I've got a contact us page on my Mountain Bike Geezer blog and website. Um, but I would put up my my other contact points right there. So I think okay. it's always better to, to just tell people, 
Go to the show notes, and that's how you find me. Okay. Go, so go to the show notes. We'll have them all in there. And while I'm saying show notes, if you're not listening on the Mountain Bike Radio app, go to your app store, type in Mountain Bike Radio, and download the app. Uh, because what you can do is, as you're listening, scroll through the show notes, click on that them, is- it'll open your browser. You can keep doing it. It'll keep listening. Uh, it's pretty slick. So it's it's, really it is really a slick app. Yeah. Whoever, whoever did that app for you, it's gold. It's yeah, we get a f- few glitches here and there, but overall, it uh, it works out pretty well. So I'm pretty happy with that. Oh, so you should be. All right, so all right, man. Thank you, Griff. I appreciate the time and uh, listeners. Thank you for hanging in there, and I'm really excited about this new podcast, and I hope you are too. So until the first actual episode, episode uh, <laughs> thanks for listening, and have a good day. Thanks, Ben. Thank you for listening, and just a reminder to go over to mountainbikeradio.com slash support MBR if you want to support the show, and make sure that all of this keeps rolling. So thank you, and have a good day.